TCU has been very active in the portal uh, the past few days, and we have Brian Smith here, our scout, to break it down, break down some of these names so you have uh, some more skill sets to put with these new players. That's coming up next year on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Our recruiting segment brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. You can post your job for free there. Talent acquisition. It's a year-round business in college football now, and I know it is for your small business as well. So use LinkedIn jobs. We need to hire folks. They will give you uh, the talent pool that you need to search from. And Brian Smith is with, uh, with us at Scout underscore Florida. Uh, Brian, we kind of joked before you came on the show this has become, you know, signing day is coming up Wednesday, so that that on its own is busy. But how much has the transfer portal in the last four or five years just completely changed your job with all the different guys now that are testing the waters and moving from school A to school B and trying to, you know, evaluate an even larger pool of players? Well, to be honest with you, the portal makes it harder because kids go into the portal during the same time of year that you have the high school signing day and then it changes because you lose somebody off your roster as a coach what you need and then they go after somebody it's a revolving spinning mm. out of control gyrosphere that's just crashing into planet earth that is the transfer portal portal in my world so it is complex beyond anything that i've seen and then you add nil on top of it which gets kids to go into the portal because they're mad about what they're getting or what they think they can get more somewhere else it's quite the conundrum it sure is. So TCU has hit the ground running. They, you know, they're not playing in the bowl game. So they got, I mean, they got time to evaluate guys, bring guys in for visits. Um, and Eric McAllister is the most proven of the players that they've gotten commitments from so far. Wide receiver from Boise State. Funny enough, Brian, he left Boise in part because he and his head coach Andy Avalos didn't get along super well. And now Andy Avalos is going to be the defensive coordinator at, at TCU, but I guess it didn't affect, you know, his recruiting situation. Um, and they'll obviously be on opposite sides of the ball now. But when you uh, turned on the tape and kind of dug into some of the grading, what do you see from McAllister and uh, the productive season he had for the Broncos this past year? Big play opportunities down the field, length, athlete. I think it's an interesting situation because you think about TCU's run last year, they found ways to hit big plays, especially in just clutch moments, man. Like yeah, that team, yeah. they won more close games than anybody. But the way you win today's college football world is plays of 20 or more yards. By and large, except for Michigan, who didn't play a very good schedule, and just about everybody else that's kind of competing for the playoffs, they all had big play offenses. Mm-hmm. Michigan hit some too, but you know, they didn't have to. That was what TCU did. They they smoked teams when they could. You you had a coverage bus, they were gonna score. This guy can do that and extend the field, and he can make 50-50 plays. That's the difference between winning and losing at the Power 5 level. And with him on, on those vertical plays, you talked about the 50-50 balls. Is it just you know running good routes down the field? Is that explosiveness, that size, a little bit of all of the above? What kind of allows him to, to make, those, make those big plays and stretch the defense down the field? I think part of it was the scheme there. And, they, they you know, Boise has, has had some good players over the years, mm-hmm. and they're still good coach. I know things didn't work out so much this past year, but that's part of it. 
but I think it's size more than anything else. There's a reason that coaches always ask me where the long corners, where the tall receivers, they don't say that by accident. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You want to have guys that you can put out there that make plays just because they're on the field. Yeah. McAllister's one of those guys. And so a, a guy that's kind of close to, to your area there in Florida, uh, Bless Harris, and this will actually be his third stop. He started at Lamar, and he goes to Florida State. And he was sort of in and out of the lineup. I know he was, you know, productive when he was there. Um, really good size, Brian. I mean, besides that frame, what are kind of the pros and cons of, of his game so far in his college career and what he could bring to the table in Fort Worth? He could be your starting left tackle if Bless Harris – is capable of staying healthy. That was the bugaboo for him as a Seminole. That doesn't mean it'll be the problem in, you know, when he's at TCU, but he can play left tackle in terms of his feet. Strong guy, heavy hands, just has to stay on the field more. If he does that, I mean, obviously TCU needs O-line help. I think we're going to talk about that here in a second. If he doesn't compete for a, you know, a starting position pretty quick, I'd be surprised. And if nothing else, he's a guy that has a ton of experience. It's good to have those guys pushing the depth chart. You need those at every college football program, not just TCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there – like, I guess that's the the unknown variable. Um, these strength and conditioning programs now are so complex and, and intricate. That's is right. there anything you can do besides just kind of crossing your fingers, holding your breath? Like, maybe there's some load management involved. But, I mean, does it just come down to kind of the good fortune of whether or not he can he can keep his body right throughout the season? Part of it is you. I mean, the way you eat anymore is a lot more yeah. important. You know, hyperbaric chambers, they're, they're guys doing all kinds of things, especially the NFL mm-hmm. level. But, I mean, a lot of these injuries, man, it's just somebody falling on your legs in the pile. Yeah, That's part of football. There is just yeah. no way to fix that stuff, man. It's nasty. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen somebody have a leg injury where the play's behind them and they get rolled up on? It happens almost every game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's more just passive luck than it is anything else. Um, so I did want to talk about the O-line and I mentioned to you before the, before the show, like they're sort of in a tough situation with, um, the last few classes, the Gary Patterson era didn't have a lot of numbers there. They had some health issues last season, which hurt them. So they're trying to build depth. They bring in two guys from, um, a group of five schools, Carson Bruno from Law Tech, and then, uh, Kate Bennett from San Diego State. When you when you talk about like G five linemen making that jump, is that a tougher leap to make than a skilled player like a wide receiver or running back because of the physicality of the position? Does it really just depend on the person? What what kind of are you looking for when you evaluate those guys? More than anything else, you look at the athleticism first. Can at least translate if you've got good film, and then second, you probably especially in line play, you want to see them uh, without knowing kids. It's iffy. Uh, even a corner, which is easier than about any spot to grade, either you can run like that or you can't. How physical are you at the point of attack? Because the difference between G5 and Power 5, especially like SEC, is enormous because there's so much physicality. But there's some kids, like look at Jared Burst, went to Florida State from Albany. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's probably going to go in the first round. Mm-hmm. It's hard to project, man. It really is. O-line gives me the most pause. But there were a handful of guys. There was a kid, was it Delaware or something? Went to Oregon. He started. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it is very random. And there's so little evidence one way or the other because it's only been available for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, you, you have to do your own evaluations more than anything else. Does the guy fit your scheme? That's probably the most important thing to look at beyond gotcha. just the athleticism. Can he fit your scheme? 
And one thing I've noticed with these O-linemen, too, that they're bringing in, in Harris and Bruno and Bennett specifically, um, they graded much higher in pass pro than they did in the run game. And I'm not sure if that's like just sort of how it shook out or if that's something TCU is looking for because they're going to sling it around more. Um, but when you hear that, like linemen that are better in pass sets, is that uh, guys that are typically more athletic as opposed to kind of road graders? Um, and, you know, does do you think it means a whole lot or is it just kind of maybe the – uh, the snaps that were graded and, and just what it looked like on the tape. Pass pass walking grades can be iffy. It, it's there's a lot of okay. discretion there for one uh, pro football focus or anything else. Number two, a buddy of mine told me a long time ago, something that stuck with me. Offensive linemen are made. They are not born. Mm-hmm. There are certain guys that have skills that are obvious, but the ability to kick step, to know how to counter a move that a defensive lineman is using, the ability to adjust if you're getting beat early on a rep, that's a lot of time and experience. If nothing else, the position in high school that's been hammered the most, fewer kids getting offers is O-line because it takes so long, and everybody wants to portal O-linemen if they can get them. Mm -hmm. It's a pain in the butt to play offensive line. It's hard. So I think more than anything else, it's just development, man. Mm -hmm. More experience. That's why TCU and everybody else wants these kids. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, a couple other guys I wanted to ask you about. So Drake Dabney, um, and, and you know this this is part of the new world of college football, but it's just funny because Baylor's TCU's biggest rival, and he's he's a Baylor guy that's now moving moving up the road to TCU. Uh, but tight end, he's going to kind of take the role that Jared Wiley had had over 500 yards receiving. Um, for, from my experience, Brian just seems like an explosive guy, someone who can kind of make some things happen after the catch. Uh, feels like another experienced player. They're trying to add some veteran presence to that position group as well. He's a guy that can get down the field and make some plays, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the best pass or best run blocker or whatever. Yeah. But you get him the football. I mean, he had some had some games. He was over 15 yards a catch by a considerable margin. You know, like he's tight ends don't normally do that. Right, right. So he's got a feel for it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like Baylor was lighting the world on fire. Right. So, yeah. He's doing it for a very average football team, and I'm being kind. I think that could be one of the big steals for TCU. And look, there's nobody that's good at guarding tight ends in space if they're athletic anyway. How many 240-pound mm-hmm. DBs are? Zero. Yeah. yeah. So he's like literally. So he's at an advantage, and he could be their their X factor on third downs next year. Mm-hmm. Why not? He, he was right. a hell of a player for Baylor. He could be the same thing for TCU. For sure. Shifting over to the defense, um, Cooper McDonald from San Diego State, who had a nice season for the Aztecs. I, I wanted to ask you, though, specifically about uh, – so Andy Avalos is now the D.C., and it, it looks like McDonald might be one of those guys that fits this stud linebacker position, which is kind of a, a stand-up edge guy um, that will be asked to do some things in coverage but also rush the passer. I, I guess in your experience in this kind of three-three-five look – what kind of qualities do you need from from that player to be effective, you know, in, in pass rushing situations and also with some of the different things they're being asked to do at, at different levels of the defense? If he can play multiple spots, it would obviously behoove him to do so, make it to the NFL. But that stand-up spot now is very common, 3-3-5. Three, three, mm-hmm. And sometimes you take a step forward, then you drop into coverage, there's fire zone blitzes and all kinds of things. You're trying to confuse, especially if you're playing a younger quarterback, He's a really important part of what they're trying to do. Yeah. You need a really good athlete and somebody that can take on the behemoths that weigh 310 at least part of the time in the run game, but 
but it's about the twitchiness, getting outside on a screen, chasing things down from the backside and doing it, you know, 250-ish. That's hard. Mm-hmm. But if he can do that, and I'm, I'm assuming they'll put him inside linebacker and blitz him and do some other things too, because that's what those schemes usually do. That's an important part of your defense. And if you don't have one of those in these hybrid defenses, you're going to get run all over. And it's going to be third down and two all day, and then it's downhill. So, yeah, he's an important guy and in an important position for the Horn Frogs. Uh, final thing for you, um, if and I'm just kind of putting you on the spot, so feel free to just give me your genuine reaction. When you hear the name on Diavolos and you're just time and covering recruiting, do you have a feel for kind of what, you know, what type of players he uh, is looking for, um, if he's a great recruiter or not? Like what's kind of your experience with him, if anything, in his time at Boise State? And then he was at Oregon for a while too. I mean, I don't know much because I don't cover much of the West yeah, Coast. Right. But Oregon is a very unique recruiting situation. The good news about anybody that's been at Oregon, whether they wanted to or not, you sign up on this in the interview. Mm-hmm. No program in the country recruits more national than Oregon that is a big box school because they have to. Yeah. There are three to five kids in that state a year. Right. They can play at Oregon. Okay. Uh, that's state year. Gotcha. So they got to go everywhere. He's going to have connections everywhere. Okay. That's going to, I mean, TCU, obviously, they're in the Metroplex. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. not rocket science, but they still have to go to, you know, they're going to go to Oklahoma, they're going to Arkansas, et cetera. If you can get a kid out of Memphis, you go get the kid out of Memphis, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. He's going to help them with development and relationships and back offices of high schools all over the country. They might get some kid from Chicago next year. Okay. That's, yeah. or Oregon is a very unique deal. That's a good perspective. There's Brian Smith at FB Scout underscore Florida. Brian, uh, he can, you can catch him all across the network. Um, if people want to follow you, what else are you kind of working on content wise right now, just in your own world? Well, I'm, I'm trying to help out a whole bunch of sites and a whole bunch of podcasts, but I'm working on the underclassmen stuff just as much as I am national signing day. Cause mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, it'll be all about those kids. You know, you get to about the 15th of January, we've completely moved on to the class of 25 except for two or three kids that haven't signed, they go to the second signing day. So yeah. it's, it's underclassmen. It's making sure the portal stuff finishes up, but there's so many moving parts in the next 10 to 12 days. I can't even keep up, man. It's just as much as I can do <laughs> just to get some sleep. <laughs> He's Brian Smith. I'm Steven Simcox. We'll have more coming up in lockdown. Horn Frogs. Frogs have landed more commits. So we're going to talk about that and more coming up next. It's your team. eBay Motors is a place to go if you need to take care of your vehicle. Right parts, right fit at the right prices. Passion, drive, and patience. It would bring, it's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. They have over 122 million parts. And I know that can sound overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be because they can find the part you're looking for with their eBay Guaranteed Fit program. You simply put the part in your cart, put in the make and model of your car, and it will let you know if that is the right fit for your vehicle. All the parts you need, the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. I told you before, I know next to nothing about vehicles. It can be frustrating for me when I have to make decisions about it and try to find the right parts. eBay Motors makes it easy, and if I can handle it, you can too. eBay Motors, right parts, right fit, right prices. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. We thank them for their sponsorship of the Lockdown Network. Okay, resetting here, uh, because the Frogs landed three commits today from the transfer portal, so I want to discuss that, and then we'll circle back to Brian Smith said some interesting stuff 
in that uh, segment that I did with him, and I want to touch base on some of those things and where he's at with some of these players. Uh, but as, as far as today and where we're at and the commits that continue to roll in, more help on the offensive line as TCU landed a um, big offensive lineman, Howard Sampson from North Texas. And the thing that jumps off the page about Howard Sampson is similar to Bless Harris. I mean, he's a big guy, 6'8", 325 pounds. Um, he played tackle at UNT the past few seasons, and he's got eligibility left. Like, this is not just a one-and-done type of situation. Um, he's a sophomore coming in, and so he'll have, you know, a, a number of, of years of eligibility left where he can come and develop and play. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Samson, I talked about that size and that frame, and you can't teach – I mean, you can't teach length and that ability – but he didn't play a whole lot at North Texas. In fact, Jeremy Clark from 247 Sports said he totaled 83 snaps this past year, mainly a backup tackle. Um, but his offer list, once he hit the portal, was really impressive. Uh, SMU, North Carolina, Baylor, Michigan State, and California, among others. So a lot of teams were super interested in him. He played the last few games of the season and was impressive in those moments. And this feels like when we were talking to uh, Brian earlier, he was mentioning like so much about offensive line play and where you're at with the O-line in that position group is a numbers game, right? Like year two and year three, that's when you start to see these guys take off. And so uh, you, we're watching TC right now try to build up those numbers with the high school classes, with the 23 and 24 classes, taking in a lot of offensive linemen in hopes that they can develop into good players down the road. We're still sort of in that transitional phase with the guys that they brought in from the high school ranks. You're start, you're trying to fill in the gaps with the portal. Now, a lot of these players, they're filling in the gaps with the portal, I think are going to be immediate starters. Like, I think Bless Harris, um, I'll be a little more forceful than Brian was because we know the situation here. If Bless Harris is not your starting left tackle, in my mind, it's because he had an injury or someone who's had an incredible offseason and jumped off the charts. But I think he's your starting left tackle. I feel like Cade Bennett is one of your starting guards. I think Carson Bruno might be your other starting guard. He's at least going to compete for that position. Um, and, I mean, Howard Sampson, I don't know if he'll be an immediate contributor. Like, my gut tells me no because I understand that there's a lot of potential there and maybe getting in a situation with A.J. Ricker and the staff, he'll be in a better place and he can make a jump. But it feels like if you know if you were if you were playing sparingly at North Texas a year ago, then the idea that you're just going to step in and be the dude at that other tackle spot um, doesn't seem ideal. That being said, though, I mean we've talked about the depth issues here and all the other guys that'll be up for that job, that other tackle spot, whether that's Mike Nichols who has dealt with injuries himself, Tommy Brockermeyer sort of the same story, and Tommy has even less like game experience than um, Nichols does. And so it gives you a good option, potentially if it's not this year where he makes the leap and becomes a starter, maybe it's next year. And, again, it's just another player with a lot of potential and a promise that you can have there in the building with you and you can start to hopefully develop and mold into a solid contributor so that, you know, I, I think in 2024 this O-line can be functional. I, I, I really feel like that is an obtainable goal. Maybe not. Maybe they're not elite. Um, but can they be solid and can they be good, especially in the new Big 12? I think that's definitely possible, and I would hope that that's the case. Maybe in 2025, 2026, we're looking at the, the fruits of the labor really coming to fruition where, okay, now you're seeing a very rock-solid offensive line that can get pushed in the run game, also protect your quarterback, 
and uh, get things done. Again, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of throwing the ball with, with Josh Hoover. Um, that's just kind of my gut feeling right now at the moment. Maybe that changes depending on who they go and get in the portal at the running back position. So Howard Sampson, um, 6'8", 325 pounds, tackle at North Texas this past year, mainly in a backup role, but he is making the move to TCU and had a really impressive uh, offer list there in the transfer portal. Also, Donovan Saunders, um, DB from Cal Poly, a corner. Uh, he had last season um, 17 total tackles, but more importantly at that CB spot, three interceptions, 11 PBUs, um, and did a really nice job as a shutdown corner this past season. So uh, a step up in competition, but, you know, uh, when Brian Smith was talking about um, Eric McAllister, he mentioned, like, everybody's looking for long, rangy corners. That's kind of the new um, the new vibe, the new trend. And, I mean, we saw that with – uh, Joe Gillespie, too. He wanted tall corners. He wanted guys with size, guys that could, you know, be physical. The <laughs> confounding part about that was that he didn't, like, he got guys that kind of fit the mold of being press coverage type players, but then he wouldn't put them in those situations because they were constantly giving receivers these big cushions. But Saunders is 6'3", 185 pounds. Um, the worry with on Avalos, or you know, kind of the murmurs are, like he's going to be asking players to be on. He's, he's going to be asking these DBs to be on an island a lot more. And you're going to have hybrid linebackers and safeties that are coming downhill in blitz situations and run support. And so you're asking your corners to have a lot of responsibility and, you know, go one for one a lot oftentimes. Right. And so uh, Avery Helms should be back. Um, and then maybe Saunders on the other side, Vernon Glover, is another name to know, young player who hopefully can make it happen. Channing Canduff, he ends up sticking around. Um, and that's not me insinuating anything. It's just, you know, if there's always a possibility people move on. Uh, then these are the types of guys that you'll have at your disposal to execute that scheme going into next season. But Saunders uh, feels like the type of lockdown corner that Avalos wants in his scheme that can shut down half the field. And, yeah, it's going to be a step up from that Cal Poly competition but was really effective, and, you know, I think those coverage skills should translate. It's just going to be about maybe dealing with more physical, bigger, longer wide receivers um, going into this upcoming season. And then finally, an interesting pickup, um, Devin Deal, who is Marcus Deal's brother. He has also announced that he will be playing for the Frogs. Um, uh, he, he played at Tulane, and so TCU was fighting Willie Fritz, who's at Houston now, for his commitment. He also got offers from Kansas and others. Uh, and joining his brother now, 6'4", 245 pounds, 40 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks and two forced fumbles in 13 games. So really productive season. The four sacks jumps off the page. TCU is going to need guys that can win in one-on-one pass rush situations. Um, and, you know, Cooper McDonald was able to get some sacks, but deal to me sounds like and, and looks like more of a hand-in-the-ground type of traditional defensive end and so you you add to that um along with some of the other help that you've gotten on the d-line nana officer mensa from um notre dame also coming along who was you know a productive player for four seasons for the fighting irish so trying to trying to kind of fit the pieces and get this defense to a place where it's functioning really well like what they're doing so three more commits um howard uh 
Howard Sampson, the big offensive tackle from North Texas, Donovan Saunders, the um, corner from Cal Poly, and then now also Devin Deal, who is a defensive lineman um, from Tulane. They are all part of the Horn Frog family now as uh, they continue to try to, you know, get these guys uh, acquired and get them in the right position to succeed moving forward. We'll react to some of Brian Smith's comments coming up here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. So a few things that Brian said that I, I thought were interesting in that segment we did earlier in the show. Um, it, it seems pretty obvious to me that he thinks Eric, he's most excited about Eric McAllister of the guys that I asked him to kind of evaluate. And he thinks it should be a pretty seamless transition for him um, coming over from Boise State and being someone who can make things happen in the vertical passing game. Uh, and he also mentioned Drake Dabney is going to be a threat vertically, you know, over 15 yards a catch in some of those games. And so I mentioned this yesterday, but having players that can attack the defense in different parts of the field. So now you have Dabney who can cover the middle of the field, go up the seam, McAllister on the outside, um, Savion Williams will be back. This, this receiving group, because Titan's a different position, but this receiving group um, coming together and fitting really well uh, and meshing well is going to be important this upcoming year. Now, it did intrigue me that he talked about Dabney and how he's not necessarily the best pass blocker or run blocker in the world um, because Wiley was a pretty physical guy. And, you know, maybe Chase Curtis kind of takes some of that role, but – I don't think there's going to be a, a ton of two tight end sets. So Dabney's going to be asking multiple things. But he's a dynamic player with the ball in his hands, and he can push the ball down the field. So all around, you know, that's a good sign for TCU. Um, and then with Bloods Harris, I mean, it's really just a matter of can he stay healthy? And TCU's kind of rolling the dice there. But, I mean, as I said, like most of these guys, if they're in the, most of these guys, if they're in the portal, there is – some story associated with it or some caveat that comes with it. And I'm, I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but like either they weren't getting a lot of playing time or it's a G5 player, FCS player that's making the jump to a higher level of football or in Harris's case, it's just the fact that when he started and when he played, he was super effective. I mean, he was a starter for five games on a Florida state team that won that went 13, no this season, but the injuries hampered him. So, I wonder if we'll see like some load management with him in practice, even though I feel like TCU did that this past off season and they, well, I don't know if the staff feels this way. I think they got some diminishing returns from that philosophy. I just don't believe the team was as physical as they were uh, in year one of the Sunny Dykes era. So I'm not sure if they'll change that because of that situation, but maybe with Harris specifically, they'll kind of try to watch out for him here and there because you know, you got to keep them healthy and, and clean throughout the season. Um, and by clean, I just mean like keeping the injury bill clean, like keeping them on the field from an injury perspective. Uh, and if he does that, I feel like he's going to be a really rock solid part of this O-line and kind of the cornerstone of it. Um, I still feel like it's a big hit, a big pickup. It's just a matter of, you know, can he be available? Um, I had a mentor used to tell me your best ability is availability. And that's, that's true in a lot of aspects of life. Uh, I also found it interesting, you were talking about Avalos being having a nationwide reach because of his experience in Oregon in the recruiting game. You know, TCU is always going to be Texas heavy. Like, that's just that's just how it is. But the best schools uh, are the schools that have, bring in the biggest classes. They're going to do a lot of their work 
at the national level. And so, um, you know, it's, it's about having those connections as well. And Avalos will bring that to the table. Um, and the O-line thing, again, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, num- a numbers game to a certain extent. So you have to, you have to find guys who are going to come in and develop them well. And um, if you can do that, then, you know, you're going to hit on some of these players and that's, that's when the progress really starts. Uh, a couple notes quickly on basketball before we go. Uh, TC Women's Basketball is in the top 25. They're 11 and 0, coming off a win against Lamar. Congratulations to them. Madison Connor continues to have a great season. Sedona Prince is making things happen. I saw Jaden Owens is leading the nation in assists in the month of December so far. Um, they're not super deep, and the Big 12 is going to be a tough league. And they played, you know, mostly teams at lower levels so far, but. Super impressive job of Mark Campbell getting the talent level higher and getting this team to a place where it looks like they can compete and be possibly a force in the top half of the Big 12. Did not expect that in year one. Congratulations to those ladies on making the AP Top 25 at number 25. Mike of Peavy, your Big 12 player of the week after his triple-double performance against Arizona State. Again, I said this yesterday. Hand clap to him. I mean, he's become a guy who was – when he got here, he was really just kind of a plus defender, and he's turned himself into a really great, complete player and can't say enough about the progress that he has made. I'm Steven Simcox. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs. We'll be back tomorrow. It's your team every day.